Welcome to the TARDIS Tapes. Welcome back, listeners. That's not how we start an episode. Smash that like button. <laughs> Drake, are you perfect? My my mama tells me I am. What would it take for you to meet a person and knowing nothing about them other than having met them once to immediately tell them you're perfect? I think if they were wearing like a discount Mortal Kombat Halloween costume and they were just kind of conventionally attractive, that would be what would do it for me. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's not far off. Um, we're getting into episode seven of the original Doctor Who series. Uh, it's the Daleks, the escape. We should probably just stop saying episode numbers because it's going to get confusing really quick. But it's the Go third by the episode serial. in yeah. the Daleks serial. And we're going to start right off with this, with Susan meeting a British man. He's a thull, but whatever. He's a British man. And just saying, you're perfect. And I mean, she's not wrong. Look at him. So the episode begins with her kind of shrinking in terror. And this is kind of like the end of the first episode of this serial where um, Barbara yeah, she just gets is, terrified is, in the woods. Terrified in the woods. Oh, uh, Bar- no, no, right. no. Barbara, when Barbara, Barbara is attacked by the, the, by the, the plunger monster. Mm-hmm. And her and her strategy is to just back up against the wall and basically just keep backing up. I think mm-hmm. in an attempt to like vibrate herself through the wall so she can get away <laughs> from the Dalek uh-huh. is the only logical reason for behaving the way that she did. Similarly, uh, Susan here decides to she sees someone who is so beautiful mm-hmm. that I think she's terrified by it, and she just crouches down. And gets as small as possible. Was like you're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible. Uh, it's a a bizarre thing because we've been told up to now that there are creatures in the woods and that they are horribly mutated. And instead, there's this tall British man. Uh, that his first line is, "Don't be afraid." Which, that's nice, but he has. This is not his first time interacting with her. He has several times now, like, found her in the woods and snuck up on her and, like, tapped her shoulder, and then she goes running away screaming. Um, But, dude, just don't sneak up on her like that. What are you doing? Like, you don't have to... So I kind of alluded to this in our previous episode. Um, Uh And I'll say, right off the bat, I actually, I really like this episode. Yeah. But... This is unforgivably stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I and it, it's it's kind of not even stupid in an endearing way. I just like uh-huh. this is so this is so dumb. He or er, in, in last episode I said that I was completely on board for the hook of a mysterious hand touching her in the woods and that it was ruined by the reveal. The reveal is that it's just a creepy guy. Mhm. And he's who's not trying even to talk to, be to her. Creepy. He's not supposed to be creepy. All he had to do was just say, like, say anything. His name, Uh her name, Uh be not afraid. Uh He could have led with that. Instead, he had to just caress her in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I I know it's an Always Sunny gag. I haven't really watched It's Always Sunny, but I think it's an Always Sunny gag that everybody has their own, like, system for, for 
getting people to, <laughs> to sleep with them. The right. Aladdin system, and we can work out how the acronym works later, seems to start with sneaking up on them in the woods and just tapping them on the shoulder when they're not expecting it. And then you just leave a box full of unmarked glass vials outside their door. You don't right. explain to them what they are. You guys actually do like speak the same written language, so you could have written a note, but you didn't. You just left the box of unmarked vials in front of the door. I know audience expectations um, in 2022 are vastly different than they would have been in 1966. 60, I think that... it's 63. 63, even earlier. Vastly different. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I can't. Somebody in 1963 had to have thought that this was dumb. <laughs> well, for this episode, anyway, we basically get like kind of a it's almost like a Batman entrance for this character because he's just like somebody else comes into the room and he's just already there. And he just says, I'm here. Don't be afraid. And just starts talking to them uh, like it's it's that cool kind entrance. of thing. Yeah. Uh, and from now on, he's not creepy. Now he acts completely normal. Um, and from now on, I'm totally on board with the episode. It's just, it's just yeah, this it's thing just how we got here. Really like, okay, like. you guys had this hook, and then you just kind of completely threw it away for this other thing, and it just didn't actually link up with the thing you were doing before. Like, totally fine misdirection to imply that there's something scary in the woods, and then it turns out those are actually the good guys, and the Daleks are the bad guys. But don't... it feels very much like they didn't have the reveal planned when they did the hook. And that yeah. that's why it seems so silly is because they, they thought there was going to be a mutant in the woods and then somebody mm -hmm. had the the honestly very good idea to, to, to come up with the Thals, but mm -hmm. that that was just not compatible with what they'd set up. Yeah, totally. Um, so he's here. He's very upset that they didn't take the drugs that he left in Omar files on the front door. He says, oh, no, you, know, you haven't taken them yet, but there's radiation everywhere. And Susan's sort of, yeah, we figured that out. Um, I'm upset that you didn't take the unmarked drugs that I left on your porch. How do <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? Uh -huh. This is what passed for courtship in 1963. You leave a, a box of unmarked files on somebody's front doorstep, and then you get really mad when you find out that they didn't just shoot up with them. Right, it's, it's Bioshock rules. If you see a syringe, you're supposed to just <laughs> grab it and jam it as hard as you can into your arm and then yeah, think about the totally. consequences later. Uh, but... We also, this is the first time Aladdin finds out for sure, he might have suspected, but he finds out for sure that the Daleks still exist. Susan tells him, and explains all this about how oh, they, they, they sent us over, and he asks, well, do you trust the Daleks? And Susan says, no. And he says, hmm, okay, all right, well, I'm going to give you a second set of drugs. He gives her a second box of the drugs, and you should hide these. He also gives her his cloak, just kind of on her like, oh, you seem like you're cold. Here, take my cloak. Uh, what I appreciated about him giving her his cloak mm -hmm. is that uh, it's a cloak, you know, mm -hmm. he, he could have draped it around her shoulders, but mm -hmm. he bunched it up like a scarf and just put it around like just her, <laughs> just the back of her neck, basically the, yeah. the least helpful way he could have done that. It actually took yeah. more effort than if he had just given it to her. <laughs> but she has a cool hexagon cloak now, and that's sweet. I would take that It does look nice. If yeah. I could get it. Um... Maybe for my inevitable uh, cosplay of the of Aladdin. I'll yeah, laugh. totally. He does also ask, do you trust me? And Susan kind of thinks about it for a minute, and then it, with this almost religious fervor says, yes. Uh, Susan just seems absolutely smitten. 
Um, he's beautiful. How could you not trust him? Yeah, he's perfect. We've already established. And um, he led with be not afraid. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Daleks do get Susan back. And they decide that they're going to take care of the, the prisoners after all. And it's not really clear what led to this change of heart. Because we already established at the end of the last episode, their plan when Susan came back was just to take the drugs from her and then immediately... And she has the secret second set of drugs, which is like supposed to be Alan's plan. But the Daleks actually take the the second one and then just give it back. And just say, alright, fine. You can, you can have it. And so everybody gets their drugs. Everybody's not dying of radiation sickness anymore. Those stakes are just immediately wiped away. Um, Why? And the Daleks even talk amongst themselves a little bit about like, oh, well, we should take care of the prisoners because they're going to lead the, the Thals to us. And uh, we get a little bit more of the classic uh, doctor says, let's just go to the TARDIS and leave. Susan says, no, we need to stay and help the Thals. Uh, but they can't do anything about it right now because they're still prisoners. Um, and now we get Thal exposition. Um, the, uh, the Thals... Uh, they have been farming. That's what they've been up to. We, we find out they're on another, you know, another part of the planet. And they've been farming, but their crops have been in danger. I guess maybe because of the radiation. Um, and they rely on this big rainfall that happens only ever four, four or five years. And the rains are a couple years late. So they had to sort of set out and go to another part of the planet to try and uh, find food somewhere. Because otherwise they're going to die because their crops are all dead. I have to assume... And this completely doesn't matter, but it's just fun to think about that what they mean by they rely on like a once every five years rainfall is that they have some sort of reservoir. It's got to be right because I don't think that they're how just are you surviving for four or five crops, years, right? To to for the on the off chance that they'll get watered once every five years, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem right. So it must be that they have some kind of elaborate irrigation system set up on whatever part of the planet they just left from, but we don't ever see Actually, that part of the planet. So now they're just woodsmen. If if that's the case, it actually really sucks that they had to move then, because I mean, that's, yeah, that's a totally. Lot of work. They put a lot of infrastructure in over there. Um, but the uh, Susan goes back and tells when she she goes back into the prison cell with the rest of the party, tells them all about the thals and all this stuff about the the farming and everything. And the Daleks hear her say this, and they say, "Ah, see, we we did a good thing by leaving them alive. They're going to lead the thals to us." And they have a whole speech about how they're going to give them water and give them food and let them sleep. And that will lull them into a false sense of security. Um, and so we already know, uh, you know, the, the Daleks not on the up and up. They're just going to try and kill everybody. If you didn't just know it looking at them, uh, it, they are just going to try and kill the Thals. It's a sneakier um, plan than I would have expected from from the Daleks here. A little bit trickier, although it's still not all. I mean... There's something so, like, just the way that they, like, come in and say, here, take more food and water. And just already the way they say it, even if you didn't see the scene before, you're like, they're going to kill everybody. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're being very suspicious. It's sort of the equivalent of, of when Ian was definitely about to run and then ran a couple mm -hmm. episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, the um, oh, Last episode. We get a scene with the Thals now. And there's a discussion between a few of the Thal leaders. Um, their, their person in charge seems to be a guy named Temesis. Um, but he talks a lot to Aladdin. Aladdin seems to be kind of his advisor or something. And they're kind of speculating about, wow, you know, it's been over 500 years. 
since we knew for sure if the Daleks even still existed, and now we're seeing them again. Um, and I have a sound clip. I wonder what they'll be like, how they'll be disposed towards us. They are Daleks. Yes, but we've changed over the centuries. Why shouldn't they? The once famous warrior race of Thals are now farmers. But the Daleks were teachers, weren't they, Tennessee? Yes, they were. And philosophers. Perhaps they are the warriors now. <laughs> so, we got... I, I played a sound clip last episode of what the Daleks sound like. This is what the Thals sound like. Um, and... So last time we recorded on these episodes, there was an analogy that I was leaning pretty hard on. And I don't want to lean too hard on it this time, but I do want to just bring it up and let it sit off to the side as we're doing all of this. There's a like a, a fairly obvious analog to World War II in this whole serial, right? Yeah, more so in the next episode for sure. But it's, Yeah, it's, it's going to come up more. Later. And I just want to sort of set that there and we can keep on considering it. Because especially, I think, in the, the next episode, in, in, you know, the episodes like five and six of the serial is where it really gets obvious. But we have a backstory in which the world has been just absolutely ravaged by this great war that was fought between these two great powers a long time ago. And now we have people who remember that war and remember how horrible it was and how the world has been sort of reshaped by it. And now they're encountering each other again, and they're trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen now? Because we remember you as sort of our ancient enemy, but also last time we, we, we decided we were going to fight each other, we just destroyed everything. So what are we going to do now? And there's just such lack of subtlety about the good guys and the bad guys here, right? The, oh, yeah. The bad guys literally are, are robots that just speak in monotone to each other excitedly about how they are going to... I think we haven't used the word yet, but the, their whole their catchphrase is exterminate. Um, whereas <laughs> the Thals just sound like delightful British people, right? I think there's going to be plenty. There's going to be room for plenty of nuance with a lot of the um, space races that are going mm -hmm. to be introduced in, in Doctor mm -hmm. Who. But I think ones. I think the Daleks are 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 forever exempt yeah. from that. <laughs> They are just mustache-twirlingly evil. You know what I wish they would do something else with? And I this is part of why I even picked that sound clip. The Daleks used to be philosophers. That was what they were known for being. They were just like a bunch of professors. I like that these, uh, these societies 500 years ago had one big trait each. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit... Um, there's something that happens and sometimes, I don't know, you could go into more detail about what all the objections to it are, but there's a quality of lazy world building where a lot of times you build a race and you often do call it a race and the race has a profession and that is just the thing that that race does. And it happens in all kinds of fiction. Um, I'm going to give this a pass actually because now sure. that we're talking about it and i'm thinking about it if i were to tell if i were to ask you what the spartans were like <laughs> well yeah, the, the spartans the are a little bit of a conspicuous example though i mean almost like, no other ancient society would you say yeah they pretty much have one profession so the but the like say the spartans and athenians right the athenians uh -huh. were the were the I think the that's very clearly what we're supposed to like kind of think is the sure. is the ancient conflict here, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like I would attribute one big uh, one big trait to each of those. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, again, I I'm not actually trying to throw too much of a criticism here, but it is just it. That's the that's the his- history that we've been told. Now we are going to find out later that the the Thals actually have very detailed record keeping. So we can't just chalk this up to it was 500 years ago and almost everybody died. So this is mostly legend and people hardly even know anymore. No, they have very good records of what the the Daleks were like and what they were like. But is the implication is here? And this is skipping forward to the next episode because we don't have the record keeping shown in this episode yet. Mm-hmm. Is the implication that they have chosen not to go down the technology tree? <laughs> I mean, we do. We know at least that they have flashlights. They called them hand lights. They have some kind of light. So they have some amount of electricity. So I think probably the implication, actually, you know what, we're going to have that that um, that in just a moment, um, but I'll just jump to it now because it doesn't really relate to that much else. Uh, they find that metal creature from the last couple episodes, um, and they call it a magneton, and one of them says to another one, we found a magneton in the woods, and we'll be able to recharge our headlights. Um, which is significant because another one of the Thals is named Antidus, and Antidus is apparently afraid of the dark. So this is supposed to be comforting to Antidus that, oh, they're going to be able to have the flashlights on a little bit more now. So I think what we would have to say is they're not actually low-tech. They just have almost no resources. Okay. That's that's interesting. They they recharge their flashlight with a forest animal? I don't, I don't know why that's something that they're able to do. Are they making a battery out of the metal from it? Like, well, I don't know. Yeah, that's not. E- I was. I'm not even making fun or being. Yeah, skeptical. totally. It's just uh-huh. that's. That's interesting. Uh huh. <laughs> my my cat's certainly a fan. Yeah, totally. Maybe they're like sapping electricity out of the magneton, like you sap electricity out of humans in the Matrix. I don't know. Um, at any rate, the conflict something now, to do with magnetism. Uh, Susan has a has a plan that she formed with Aladdin before she went back that they're going to probably wind up sending a message from the Daleks to the Thals. And if the message is signed with her name, Susan, that will be the sign that it's it's an actual message from her and that the, the Daleks can be trusted. Whereas if, if it doesn't have Susan's name at the end of it, then it's just a message from the Daleks and it's not actually, it's not actually legit, right? Right. This construction for a conflict is so arcane, and it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, well, because then the Daleks essentially dictate the entire letter to her, and she signs mm-hmm. it Susan as if mm-hmm. it's trustworthy, but it's no more or less trustworthy than if they had written it, because she wrote with their words. Yeah, no, totally. It, it doesn't make sense in the first place. It, that's not a good code word. If you were going to pick a code word, um, it's not a good one. Um there's also, like, Susan doesn't actually know the Dalek's intentions, right? I mean, she's still in this room where she's writing this letter basically at gunpoint. It's not... She has no way of knowing if she's, they're just going to kill everybody or not. Um, I guess they don't play it up much, but, I mean, they're, like, they're pointing guns at a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. So, sure. I'll, okay, I'll allow it. Uh, but we do also have just... 
probably my favorite scene in the in the show so far, which is just uh, the Daleks have have Susan writing this letter. Again, everybody uses English lettering. We're just moving on, whatever. And they're offering food and water to the Thals in return for help with and the quote is recultivation of surrounding land. So the they want to like redevelop the whole surrounding area because the Daleks still can't go outside. The Thals obviously can't. And so the, the thought is, we're going to work together and we're going to recultivate the whole area and make a really nice place. Um, Susan signs her name at the end of the note, as she had agreed. And the Daleks say, now so hold still while we read the message. And one of them has to take his plunger and grab the note from the back of it <laughs> and then hold it up to another Dalek so that the other Dalek can read it because they don't actually have the manual dexterity to pick up a piece of paper and hold it in front of their own face. <laughs> it's really funny. It's great. It's awesome. And then the one Dalek says to the other one, what is this last word? Susan. And Susan laughs. She just like sort of giggles because it sounded funny when a Dalek said her name. And as soon as she starts laughing, they immediately panic and say, stop that noise. <laughs> it's just, it's really stop, good. Stop that noise is... is... Arguably the best response to anyone laughing that you Yeah, have. totally. I'm going to start using it, and I'm going to do a Dalek voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and the, the other part that is just worth mentioning that doesn't make sense about this whole message thing. The Daleks don't have a way of getting the message to the Thals because they can't go outside, and they're not mm -hmm. willing to send anybody to take it. So they just leave it outside the gates. And then we get a scene of one of the Thals saying, this was found outside the city gates. And they bring the message to Temesis. And Temesis and Alden look at the note and say, oh, it's got Susan's name at the end of it. I guess it's legit. Cool. The Daleks are alive and they want peace with us. Um, now, uh, the party has figured out they need to escape. They've also figured out that they're being recorded in their cell. Um... And so they have a, a few parts to this escape plan. Um, and I think the escape plan is a lot of fun and probably the highlight of the episode, right? Yeah, it, this is this part's great. Yeah. Um, first... Especially the the insane logical jumps <laughs> yeah, that totally. the doctor makes <laughs> to get there. Uh, first, they need to knock out the camera that's in their cell. So... Uh, yeah, the scene starts with Ian standing up next to the camera and kind of saying, okay, we're ready, Doctor. And then he walks out and starts just talking shit. Just talking about how, like, you know, like, we need, we can't, you know, we need to not trust the Daleks. We need to fight with them. And the Doctor's like, no, they're on our side. And they make a big thing of fighting with each other and it gets physical. And as soon as it starts to get physical, they, like, they make a big, ah, uh, and Susan's climbing on one of their legs. And then they knock, they knock the camera out. It's all just a show to, to, to be able to hit the camera and, and pull it off the wall. Which the dogs don't, aren't fooled for a second. As soon as this happens, they're like, do you think it happened on accident? And the other one's like, no, definitely not. I, I like that it didn't even, like, that was just a waste of time. <laughs> but it still lets them talk in, in, in private. And mm -hmm. so they say, okay, well, how are we going to get out of here? Because we're, we need to be able to take out a Dalek to get out of here. So how do we take him out? And so the doctor says, hmm, well... Let's think about how they move around. All the floors are metal around here. 
Don't you think that is, you know, curious? Is that just because it's durable, or is it because they need it to live? Interesting. And they must be deriving power from somewhere. I think that they are powered by electricity. And Ian says, okay, well, how are they completing the circuit? Like, how does it get around? And the doctor says, no, they've come up with an ingenious way to power themselves with static electricity. And that's how that they are, they're, they're staying alive. So first of all, this is, it's great that he arrived here mm-hmm. with, again, no information. And it, we have it doesn't. Two clues. Re- we have one clue. The floors are metal. The second clue, apparently, and this is the first time they mentioned this, there's an acrid smell when the Daleks move around. And Barbara says, oh, yeah, it, it smells like the fairground. And Ian says, Dodgems, which I had to look up. Apparently, that's bumper cars. Okay. So, I guess, in 1963, if you went to a fair, they might have had bumper cars. And the bumper cars would be powering themselves through touching the floor and stuff, which I think they still do. And mm. there would be this acrid smell in the air from just having this, like, high voltage in direct contact with the air, just, like, zapping the air or something. I don't know. Uh, but I guess this would just be, like, a thing that the average Englishman would know the smell of and would immediately say, oh, electricity. That's what electricity smells like. You know? That's interesting. I, I didn't pick up on that at all. My big <laughs> takeaway from this Uh, and I really like this interaction was the doctor asks a rhetorical question. He's like, uh, they, I don't even remember what exactly it was with regard to. I think it was like, they, they always have to be touching the floor. Do you know why? And Barbara says, no. And he goes, no, of course you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then he proceeds to answer his own rhetorical question. (laughs) And it's so rude. (laughs) He just pauses long enough to say thanks for playing before going on to explain what he right. actually thought was already obvious. Yeah, he he clearly wanted her to demonstrate <laughs> her own ignorance before he just jumped right back in and and told yeah. her how smart he was. Yeah, totally. Now, Susan actually, in what point of this scene, brings up, "Do you think they're powered by batteries?" And the doctor just brushes her off. Just no, of course not. That's ridiculous. There's no way that they have batteries. Which is insane, because we do learn over the course of this episode that they need to have electricity to these suits in order to live. Like, you have to have electricity going into a Dalek suit at all times, or the Dalek just dies. And they don't have any kind of backup battery on this thing at all. Seems irresponsible. If it loses contact with the floor for a minute, if he just, like, gets knocked over and it loses that floor contact, he's dead. That's it. That's it for him. What this means mm-hmm. is that with no backup and with all Daleks existing within this city, if there is a power outage, uh-huh. that's it for uh-huh. the entire race. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but based on this deduction, if we can call it a deduction, I'm going to say assumption. They conclude that if they could break contact between the floor and the Dalek, then they'll have taken it out. And so they put together an escape plan, which involves a few component pieces. It involves mud from Susan's shoes, which Barbara has the idea to get mud off of Susan's shoes 
and use some of the water that they had brought them for, like, to, to drink and make, like, a big sticky mess of mud that they're going to stick on the lens of the of the Dalek to blind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Good plan. Ian also gets a piece of the camera that they broke off and sticks it in the door so that when the Dalek comes in to open the door to give them food, then he slides this in the door so that then the door won't shut properly and the Dalek comes back in. And then they stick the mud on its face. And the last step is there's Aladdin's cloak, which they lay out across the floor so that then they can force the Dalek onto the cloak, and that'll that'll power it off. Uh, which sounds like a pretty bad plan, honestly, as like a way to take out a guy with a gun. Uh, goes off without a hitch. It's yeah, it goes flawless. It was great. Uh, there were no problems at all. Ex- mm-hmm. Exactly as bumped my microphone. exactly as they intended yeah uh and there's even like there's a whole part of this series like i actually find it a little bit uh i don't know it 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 feels a little bit funny when you have a whole scene where the dalek is just in a panicked tone saying keep away from me keep away from me as he is blinded and he's waving his gun arm around and making contact with people, but he's not even shooting them. Like, he very clearly could have killed Ian in this scene, and just doesn't fire. He could have, at the very least, just Charlie-horsed everybody with his <laughs> yeah. of laser. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't do it, uh, which I think is, is honestly touching, um, but doesn't do any good for him. He winds up dead. Um, yeah, he panicked. He didn't, he didn't have the guts to just take care of the situation. Uh, I'll jump to one of the episode trivia things now. In the scene where they open up the Dalek suit, uh, you can see the shoulder of, like, the crew person that was operating the Dalek scene in, oh, really? in there. Yeah. And then the camera cuts away to in the corridor where Susan and, and Barbara are. They're keeping a lookout or whatever. Uh, and when it cuts back, then Ian is already mostly into the Dalek suit. So that was clearly just a full cut, and then they completely reworked the, the, the set. But... Uh, you can just see the guy that's inside the thing for a minute there, <laughs> just his shoulder because the, 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 um, head of the Dalek opens towards the camera, but still. That's a, yeah, blink and you miss it. Cause I didn't see it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't see it until I read the trivia and then I went back and saw it and yeah, sure enough, he's just right there. Cool. Um, but, uh, they get the Dalek suit open. Ian then and the doctor toss the the creator inside in the corner and bury it in, in Aladdin's cloak. They just leave the cloak in the room when they leave. Uh, and they get Ian inside of the thing and they shut it again. And there's like a voice modulator so that he sounds like a Dalek when he talks, but he has to do a monotone or else, you know, they'll know that he's, he's not. The a inflection Dalek. is all wrong when he speaks, but the, the, the voice sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So like if he, if he does a monotone, then he can, he can just sound like a Dalek, which the implication here is that if they worked in the suit, Daleks would just sound like people. I know. Uh, <laughs> the I know. I was also a little baffled that I mean, and maybe this is just a product of its time, but like I, I would have expected the Daleks to be more integrated into the technology. Yeah, they're just in there. Um, they're just it, 
it's like it's essentially a mech suit. There's uh-huh. controls. I uh-huh. never picture it as being controls. I pictured like the Dalek being like brain. Yeah, you figure um, it's like a brainily wired or something like that, right? But no, there's just there's just buttons in there, and you just there's like a joystick. Anybody can do it. Yeah, apparently. If they didn't hang out in the suit all the time, they would be able to pick up a note and hold it in front of their own face. But they can't because they spend all their time in the suit. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lesson in there about video games or something. I don't know. But So, are the Daleks... <sighs> Can they not breathe the atmosphere? What is it that kills them when the electricity goes out? Who knows? Uh, I mean, do they, you'd think that maybe they would, like, suffocate in there or something like that, right? So the Ian seems to do okay, but maybe, maybe there's, like, a an air pump or something? But I have no idea. Yeah. I have some vague recollection of that being addressed in the, the new Doctor Who series. Oh, probably. Where there's, I like, a know. special atmosphere in there or something, but, but, uh, here, definitely not. Yeah, there's nothing. There's, uh, we do get, we only get to see... And this is the cliffhanger for this episode. We only get to see, like, one arm of the thing roll out from under the cloak. Um, as they're going away in the corridor with Ian inside the Dalek suit and the rest of them, um, you know, just walking alongside and pushing it because he hasn't worked out the controls yet. Uh, then you see just roll, like, from underneath the cloak, something kind of rolls a little bit and, like, an arm kind of flops out. And it's this horrible, like, claw with, uh, like, scales or something like that. It seems dead, so it's not much of a cliffhanger, you know? So what I like about this bit is that uh, they they pull it out with the cloak. Mm-hmm. And as viewers, we know that it's just because they didn't want to show the whole thing. Yeah. But the, but the implication for the actual characters is that it was, like, icky. <laughs> and they didn't <laughs> want to touch it. <laughs> well, that's also why they sent uh, Barbara and Susan out into the hall. They like the yeah. doctor and Ian start to get the thing open a little bit, and then like, Ian kind of says, mm, uh, "Barbara, Susan, why don't you keep watch in the hall?" And he says about, it, and then they get the thing open. Um, so yeah, it must just be icky. <laughs> That's it's pretty funny. Yeah, no, it is pretty good. Uh, again, I don't think it really fits the normal definition of a cliffhanger because it doesn't. There's no like, I oh, this implies the next thing that's going to happen is action packed. Like, if the, if the alien was alive and it was about to sneak out and follow them, then you'd be like, oh, no. But it's just, I don't know. It doesn't introduce anything new that wasn't true, you know, two minutes before you ended the episode, right? Right. It's just a, it's just a cool claw. Yeah, it's a cool claw. Apparently, they were originally conceiving of the Daleks inside the suit as being kind of like frog people. That was kind of what okay. they thought they would look like. I like that. Sure. I'm fine with frog people. Um, I definitely pictured them less like monster claw lizardy than we got, but that's yeah, not a yeah. problem. It's just my brain went a different direction. So we are now going to get to the episode that we have never covered before in the podcast because we just skipped over it last time we tried to record a couple episodes about this serial. Uh, this episode is called The Ambush, uh, and it's the middle episode. Spoiler alert, I don't think we missed that much, you know? 
I think episodes one and three were really strong for this serial, and then mm-hmm. episode episode two span its wheels a lot. Spun its wheels? Spun? Mm. Spun its wheels a lot. Wheels were mm-hmm. moving, um, and, they, mm-hmm. and they really only rotate. So that's yeah. what wheels do. Uh-huh. Uh, this episode, it had a lot of good exposition, but nothing but nothing really happened. It was kind of a... It was an episode where we all just kind of gather around and talk and set up what's going to happen for the rest of the serial. So it wasn't very exciting. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it starts out with... Because I think part of the reason I liked episode three is because it has this whole, like escape sequence that almost it feels almost kind of star wars because it's got like you know it's like when they're on the the death star and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get out of there they're inside the dalek city and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get out of there and the stuff that they did to get out of the the room was a little bit goofy and kind of macgyvery here and there with like oh we're gonna get the mud from the boots and we're gonna get this piece of the camera and all that but it kind of worked this this episode starts out with an escape and it doesn't work at all um now they have Ian inside the Dalek suit, right? And he's doing the voice modulator thing, so he can pretend to be a Dalek if he needs to. What actually, real quick, what percentage of this episode would you say is the actual escape? Because as I was talking just now, I was thinking that most of the episode is them talking to the Thals at the end, but uh, I guess they spend half of it like actually escaping. So I'm I'm wrong. There is. Action. I mean, the episode's called the ambush. I think by the time the ambush is done, you are you are at least two thirds, if not, you know, probably three quarters or something through this episode. So oh, most of it felt, is happening before that. Just felt like they talked a long time. Yeah, it was a... <laughs> we'll get there. There's a lot of talk. Uh, okay. In the meantime, they need to escape. And the, the act, I need to go through the mechanics of this escape to explain why it doesn't really work as a scene. Um, they have Ian inside the Dalek suit, and he has worked out the controls, so now he can actually make it move on his own. And so their plan is the good old fake prisoner trick, Right? You got one guy mm-hmm. in the enemy's outfit, and he pretends to be a commanding officer that's, like, taking them prisoner and says, oh, let me through. I need to escort these prisoners somewhere. And it absolutely works. The Dalek sort of starts to try and ask a question for a minute, but Susan does kind of a weird, like, fake try and escape thing to try and, like, stop him from radioing in and asking why the prisoners are being moved, which I thought was pretty risky considering... There is every chance that this Dalek is just going to shoot you not to stun this time when you try and escape. Right. Um, Instead, you get a goofy scene where the real Dalek and the fake Dalek that is being controlled by Ian are controlling Susan, are like holding Susan in place from either side with plunder arms. And Ian's (laughs) like, help me get them into this elevator to hold them. And the other Dalek's like, yeah, great. Then we'll shut the door and they won't be able to go anywhere. Uh, So they, they... Drag the party into the elevator. Uh, Ian goes in with them. The other Dalek stays outside. And then they shut the door of the elevator. And now they're in the elevator and... uh, Or the elevator room, at least. It's not the actual elevator or something. Um, But they're in this separate room. And as soon as they get in there, the doctor goes in, like, rips a cord by the door. He's like, that's the door. Now the door can't move. Which is, I guess, an impressive understanding of their tech. You know? I... That's <laughs> some shot. That's a shoddily made door. If a person could just yank out the control for it, I do love the idea of every door having a little power plug coming out of it on one side, and you can just pull the power plug, and then the door is now just a wall. Right, like even if it was an electrical conduit or something like that, which, judging by the you know the thickness of it and the fact that it looks yeah. kind of like a tube, very reasonable. 
Uh-huh. Either he's very strong or they they don't have <laughs> I mean, the, the building door's materials a permanent fixture, using. so why is it plugged into an outlet? Like, all the built-in lights in my house, I don't have a power cable coming out of them that snakes over to a wall where it plugs into an outlet, because they're built-in. So they just plug into electricity inside the wall. Why isn't the door like that? See, I didn't even see it as an outlet. I, 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 I saw well, it Well, it's not quite as... an outlet, but it's, you know, there's a wire coming out of it that goes into a little, like, junction box or something. So I think he is having to, like, rip a cable. It's not just, like, unplugging, but it's still that kind of, that, that yeah. sort of premise. Um, yeah, at any rate, they've gotten inside this elevator room, and now the door is shut. But the other, on the other side of the door, the Dalek immediately radios in and says, Oh, I saw these prisoners getting moved. And command radios back. They're not supposed to be moved. Stop them immediately. And so he activates the emergency alarm, and Ian is now stuck in the Dalek suit. And I don't totally understand what's even supposed to be happening there, because... They, they, Ian's like, get me out of here. I'm, you know, I'm practically suffocating in this thing. And they can't get the lid open. And that's even before the emergency alarm comes on, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're struggling to get the lid open. And then when the emergency alarm comes on, they also discover they can't move the Dalek suit anymore because the floor has magnetized. That's part of the, uh, like, alarm system is that it magnetizes the floor so the Daleks wouldn't be able to move around. Um, so the, the, Daleks designed a system that would stop themselves? I will pause to say I love the implication of this system. Because Daleks have built into the exits to their city, but also just the access to the elevator. So it's not necessarily an exit, because they wouldn't go outside because they would die. Um, but they built into their city these, uh, these security contraptions that are meant to immobilize Daleks. Which means that there are, like, Dalek criminals. Right? I guess that is that I guess that's the only thing you can take away from it. <laughs> I it never in this serial or even I guess in watching some of the newer Doctor mm -hmm. Who never occurred to me that they don't function as a as a single unit essentially. They all ha they're not a hive mind, right? They have their own personalities, but they're all always yeah. doing exactly what Daleks should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And every scene we've seen them, then they all talk to each other like and I, I said I was gonna set it aside. I'll just they talk to each other like they're all Nazi soldiers. Except everybody is everybody's commanding officer, right? They're all issuing instructions like to everybody it. all the time, and they're also all taking instructions all the time. But they d do operate like that. There's a very clear, like, everybody is willing to instantly lay their lives down for the cause. Everybody is completely on board with the same goals and, and everything. And there's, sometimes there's some planning around, like, what do you think about the idea that we actually give these guys their food and medicine so that then they'll be lulled into a false sense of security? And the other one says, ah, that's a great idea. And then they, you know, cackle evilly. But you do get this, like, you never get the impression that there's any, like, disunity. But the systems they built imply that, at least at some point, they had Dalek criminals, and I want to meet that character, right? I I wonder if there is that character at some point in a, in a far I'm future I'm looking scenario. forward to it, if so, because the Dalek outlaw is an archetype that I am here for. <laughs> I'm not holding out too much hope, but I, it's certainly a possibility. I don't think it's that kind of show, but it'd be great, and we can still make it. We, I, can, I can go write the fanfic right now. You know, I think it is that kind of show, 
But I don't think that the, like I said earlier, I think that there is room for nuance and some complexity in this show, mm-hmm. but that, that explicitly these villains are not the place for that. Yeah, totally. And so, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, it'd be cool. I, obviously, we both uh-huh. like it. I don't know if I see that happening with, with them, but uh-huh. I, I could see a similar kind of thing happening with some other made up race. Yeah, for sure. No, and again, I mean, I, I do think that there's a, you know, you don't like to tell the story about, oh, but there were also some good Nazis. Like, that's not a story that you would tell maybe even now. Definitely not in 1963, right? Right. So, like, if you are going to go kind of all out on making these guys the villains that they are, you can't really then turn around and be like, oh, but this guy's cool because he's a criminal. Um, no, nah, you know, they they're, they just have to all be bad and you just have to crush them all. Um, yeah, that would be touchy now, but especially considering some of the politics that you see at the end of this episode and during the bulk of the next episode uh-huh. that is an unthinkable stance so yeah no totally yeah. uh but uh to come back to this escape scene that is not working um they can't get Ian out of the suit they also can't move the suit because the suit has been immobilized because they magnetized the floor and they the daleks are starting to cut through the door They've got, like, a plasma cutter or something. Because Susan is, like, touching the door, and she's, she pulls her hand away like she got burned. Ah, like, oh, it's hot. And you can see, like, a bright, like, flashing spot uh, going along the door, like a, like a magnesium torch or something. And they're cutting through the door. But it's going to take them a while, right? I think they said, like, ten minutes when they asked yeah. the doctor to estimate. And he's like, well, yeah, ten minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> they need to get out of this room and get onto the elevator and, and, and go up. But they can't get Ian out. And so Ian says, save yourselves. Leave me behind. Which normally everybody in this show is very opposed to. Everybody always says, no, we have to go back for Barbara or whatever. But in this case, they do actually all say, yeah, okay. We're all going to go get on the elevator. And you try and get out of that suit. And, you know, hopefully you can come follow us. But There's there's a moment's pushback from Barbara and Susan. But huh? the doctor is, is on board for leaving. <laughs> Um, and yes, then he, he does. He would have assumed he, he would be, of course. Which yeah. I love that they gave him that moment, but then they all do actually come around to agreeing with him that they they should leave. Mm-hmm. But just the doc, the doctor's instant betrayal of any person who might be causing him a slight extra amount of danger is yeah. It's, it's almost not even betrayal because he's it's not thinking about it like oh I'm going to get one over on them. He's just thinking about it. And it's like yes, at any given time. I would like to just go back to the TARDIS and leave and let everyone die. I don't care that they're depending on me. Uh, But the way this plays out, so they all go and get on the elevator, they take the elevator up, and they get off the elevator, and they send it back down. And then the Daleks get through the door, and they play it to try and keep the suspense. The Daleks get through the door, and they immediately start blasting the Dalek suit that's still in here that we think Ian is inside. Uh, and they, they blast it to pieces and it starts crumbling apart. And then one of them comes up to it and says, ah, it's empty. He's on the elevator. And we see the elevators going up and it's getting really close to the top. And then they're like, we'll stop the elevator. And they run over and start pushing buttons to stop the elevator. And they stop it right as it gets really close to the top. And Ian climbs off the top of it and then it goes back down. And they're like, oh, that was a close one. Um... And Ian even says, man, when I got out of that suit, they were about two inches from finishing cutting through that door. Um, What changed? Because when you had all four of them working on trying to push this lid open, they couldn't do it. I just assumed it was just one of those things like 
it just needed the right angle and he finally jiggled it the right way. But like if they had 10 minutes, they should have just kept on working on it if it was that. And I sort of thought like, oh, if the floor's magnetized, maybe it's also pulling the lid closed. And so that's why they can't get it open because they got it open okay a minute ago and it wasn't a big deal. Um, oh, that's an interesting... Yeah. But if that's happening, then there's no way Ian can move it by himself. Right? <laughs> I I like I like the magnetized idea, but I really think it's just he just jiggled it the right way. And they yeah. if they had the ten minutes, they abandoned him with real fast. Pl- plenty of time to spare. Yeah, I mean they at least had enough time to take the elevator all the way up, send the elevator all the way back down, and then he got on the elevator. So that's like kind of a long time that they said, Okay, we're gonna go wait at the top and hope that you make it out okay. Just stand so there it probably takes two minutes conservatively for the elevator to go up that's like a full eight minutes of them looking down at him just inside the suit jiggling uh-huh um how deep underground do you think they are they mentioned that it's like four floors or something like that that they needed to they, go up i think they yeah i remember that number a couple of episodes ago yeah in episode two when they meet up with barbara again she says, uh, they had me blindfolded, but we were always going down. We must be miles underground. <laughs> I think Barbara I just, was just spooked. I just I just wanted to point out how... Uh, I, I'm sure they're, they're fairly deep underground. That was a gross sure. overestimation yeah. of how deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I, I mean, I think it's been a while since I saw the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh episode of this serial. So I don't remember. But I think that they have conversations about, you know, like floor 57 or something like that. So there are a lot of floors to this underground city. Um, but I think they're not that deep here. The elevator doesn't move very fast and they get out in an action scene pretty okay. So I think that they must be not that deep right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at, at any rate, the like, clearly the writers needed like a photo finish kind of action scene of like, oh, they barely escaped. But it doesn't really work because it's not like like three of the four of them escaped apparently like several minutes early and just didn't help their buddy out because. And the photo finish is Ian climbing out of the elevator. But it's not like there's no like imminent threat to him when he's climbing out of the elevator. Right. Because it's just like, okay, well, he climbs out like it doesn't there's no like implied implied immediate threat to him if he doesn't quite get there. Well, he doesn't he climbs up the elevator shaft. Right, he doesn't. Well, if he's climbing, he's not in the elevator. Well, so he's in the elevator, and then the elevator—the elevator doesn't have doors on the top. It doesn't like, you know, there's no ding, and then the doors open. It just goes up, and once it gets high enough that there's an opening, then there's just an opening there. So it gets most of the way to the top, and they have to kind of help him climb up the edge a little bit because then the elevator stops because the dog started pulling it back down. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So he is he, like he has a little bit of a climb, but like it doesn't—it doesn't work as an action scene. Like, it's, I know it's overplayed, but it would have worked so much better to just do the elevator doors thing and have it be like, oh, they're in the elevator and, like, they push the button to shut the doors right as the Daleks come through and the Daleks blast the hell out of the elevator doors as the thing goes up, right? Right. That can be your photo finish. It's been done before, but at least it, like, there's an implied, like, oh, they almost got shot. Um, whereas this is, he almost didn't get his floor or something. I don't know. Like, it doesn't. 
Like, you wouldn't make Prisoner again, I guess, but, like, it doesn't have the same kind of visceral... So, it doesn't... At any rate, they're out now. It's not clear how far the Daleks can go on this surface level. Like, they're they're up on the top now. Um, but there is a moment where the Daleks send another team up. They send somebody into the elevator again and say, Alright, go get them. You know, can't let them, can't let them get away. And so, while they're up in this, uh, this other room, they don't seem that worried about it. Ian says, oh, well, there's this big rock that is like a statue that is conspicuously positioned pretty close to this elevator and is just light enough that we can budge it. Um, let's go and push this down the elevator shaft, because, again, there's no elevator doors. Uh, and they push that down the shaft as the the elevator's trying to come up again with the Daleks, uh, and it, like, crushes it, and now they can't come, come and kill them. I mean, I liked th- I liked the rock part. I guess I like the rock part. Okay, I don't to think be any honest, of this is I've, working very well. To be honest, I mean, you you witnessed it. I forgot. I watched this episode like three hours ago. <laughs> I try uh-huh. to keep it really fresh. I uh-huh. forgot about most of this escape sequence because when I was thinking about this final episode, what came to mind was just hanging out with the Thals. Yeah, totally. The Doctor gets along with them. That's kind well, of the thing that. So, before we get there, um, once again, the Doctor says, Hey, let's just go back to the TARDIS and get out of here. And everybody else says, No, what are you doing? We're only alive because the Thals gave us these radiation drugs. We at least have to warn them. Um, and they're like, they're up, I guess they're in a tower or something. Because Barbara looks out a window when they're up there. And it's like, oh, I saw a man over there. Uh, like, it looked like a human being. And Susan's like, oh no, the Thals have come to the city to take the, the like, food offer from the from the Daleks. But it's an ambush. The Daleks were like, oh, we're going to set up a bunch of food in a building over here, and you can just come get it, because we're going to be at peace now. But actually, they're going to kill everybody. So they have to go over there and warn them. So they start to head towards where they're going to warn them. And then as they're going, at some point, the Doctor pauses and says, no, let's just go back to the TARDIS. <laughs> Always. He's, uh, he's right, though. Well, and uh, Susan says, no, we have to help the Thals. And Barbara says, no, we have to help the Thals. And Ian says, the doctor's right. You guys go back to the ship and I'm going to go and run and and warn the Thals. Right? He's always trying to hog the glory. Well, he's also... Like this Ian character. I mean, it's kind of the... It's the switchback he's got to the thing that the doctor's always doing. The doctor's always kind of misdirecting people. But Ian has a way of agreeing with the Doctor and then not at all doing the thing that the Doctor wants to do. Yeah, it's great. Um, So in this case, you know, it probably is plausible. There is no reason to bring Susan to what is clearly going to be like a battle scene. Just send Ian. He's going to try and warn them. Hopefully you get there in time. Susan running along behind Ian isn't going to help anything. So Ian runs to help. Um, And now we have the actual ambush scene. In which we have a bunch of Daleks all in like a, a, a raid and a ring in surrounding corridors around where there's this like big like meeting room where the food is set up. And I just want to they're point all out hiding that... back in shadows. I just want What's to up? point out when, when you say that it's not useful to bring Susan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that at this point in the serial she has uh, opened negotiations between two cultures and Ian has gotten trapped in a trash can. Oh, for sure. I just mean, like, <laughs> literally, she's going to run slower than Ian, right? Oh, like, she's not contributing anything to this, but... um, 
<laughs> he did get trapped in a trash can. It's true. He did get trapped in a trash can. Yeah, they're never going to let him live that down. Um, but he runs over there. The Daleks are sort of lying in wait. You get a dialogue scene between Aladdin and Temesis where Aladdin is kind of skulking around corners all suspicious. And Temesis is just absolutely all in on trusting the Daleks. And he's like, why are you even suspecting them? You know, you have no reason to suspect them. And Alan is like, I don't know, they seem kind of sketchy, whatever. And Temesis is just absolutely certain. Nope, this is how we're going to survive. The Daleks are wonderful. You just don't understand them right. There's no way that this can go bad. Uh, and he winds up going into the room to, like, meet the, the Daleks, like, sort of approaching where the food is, and starts announcing to them, Daleks, can you hear me? Daleks, the Thal people wish to live in peace. And he gives a little speech about how you know, if they wish this too, then they can reach out for them and they can build a great society together and all this. And Ian runs into the room right at the last minute and warns them, no, it's a trap. And then we get some of these shots of Daleks shooting Thals. And that's most of the, the next few scenes. And I think it does actually do a pretty good job of conveying the kind of chaos of, like, abruptly getting fired on by the Daleks. Like, they yeah. do the, the film negative effect that I think you mentioned in our last episode. Um, mm -hmm. where, like, they, they have the film abruptly go negative to convey that somebody just got shot. Um, and as, like, low-budget uh, special effects go, I think it's pretty effective. Um, I think it looks doubly cool in, you know, in kind of low-fidelity black and white. Yeah, totally. Uh, it does make you think about, like, you know those, um, those cuts that they do of Star Trek Next Generation where they have, like, taken the, the shaking out of the camera? Um, all those scenes where they're, they're like, I don't, I don't know, they're coming out of warp speed or whatever. Oh, yeah, and so everybody, yeah. the kid, the screen's supposed to shake around, but people have made it like taken out the shake from the camera. So then you just like see the room of people just going, and it looks ridiculous. The captain is just leaning in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you do wonder what it was like to be on set and have be like, okay, we're going to do a film negative effect at this moment. So what we need you to do is be going along and then when you just, like, get the signal, you're going to flop over like you got shot. But nothing happened. Uh, I bet that would be fun. Um, I wonder if there was a sound cue or something. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't laugh too much at this dark day for the for Thal society. Um, can I, ask I think we it? only actually lost two Thals. Another one got injured. Uh, but Temesis, notably, is dead. The leader, who was absolutely certain that the Daleks were going to be their friends, just gave this big speech about how they'll build a great society together. He dies on the table, just like collapsed in the, on his face on the table of food. Uh, and I think they lost one over other Thal named Takanda. Everybody else seems to have made it out okay. Um, it's a dark day for Thals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it... I don't know why they sent their leader. Mm. I don't know why their leader was so gullible. From yeah. the beginning, Susan said not to trust them. Yeah. But I, 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 I mean, I do understand that they had the discussion and that they were desperate and they just kind of had to put put their faith in the Daleks' hands, but uh, it just didn't feel good. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a quality of like, okay... Human society gets wiped out by an alien species. We, like, murder each other. We haven't seen the alien species in, like, hundreds of years, but we've been set back by, like, you know, 2,000 years by meeting this alien species. 
And then we make contact with the alien species again. And the alien species is like, hey, let's be friends this time. And we say, hmm, well, we don't know about this. Let's send the president and vice president to go and, to, to go and meet them for the first time. This is what we're going to do. We'll send the president and the vice president and the whole cabinet. Those are the people that are going to go to this other, to, to their city where we have absolutely no security and they might all kill us. We're, that's, that's what we're going to send. Right. Like, send an envoy. And then if they kill the envoy, you can be like, ah, see, we knew the Daleks were bad. And it sucks it. for your They're envoy. Bad. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, at least, you know, the Daleks aren't always that tricky, so. The, the Thals were sent back so far technologically that they'd actually just forgotten about envoys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we're going to go back to the, the Thal camp, and a few things are going to happen, at least one of which I really don't like, and one of which I think is very interesting. Um, one, the, and the first thing we see, the Doctor's back here, and he is just absolutely fascinated with the records that one of the Thals is showing him. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that these records go back nearly half a million years. That's amazing. 500,000 years of records. What's bizarre is that their star charts just look like coasters. Yeah, they, they look like settlers of Catan tiles. Yeah. You're like, like just sliding them <laughs> up against each other to see what stuff looks like. And they have 500,000 years of records stored like this. It's weird to me that they didn't develop computers again, but... They're all walking I, I around they don't as just, like, woodsmen, right? But they must have, like, whole caravans, just, like, like cart after cart after cart, filled to the brim with SD cards to store 500,000 years of records. I just goofed. I, I said it's weird to me that they didn't develop computers again, but this mm-hmm. is, like, 1963, so... Yeah. Of course, that wouldn't have been something the Romans would have been. They did have computers, but not, sure, not yeah. in the the way that we're picturing. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that's fine. That makes sense. Uh-huh. They're they're gonna have a uh, bunch of essentially. Like, yeah, I mean, it's still it's still Rolodex. insane that like, there's just no reason you had to have the line be half a million years, right? That's just a ridiculous number. I would have even been impressed by a couple of thousand. So they they overshot. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, 1,000 years would mean that you have records for the whole time since the war, and you have 500 years of records from before the war. That's great. That's really impressive. If you have, like, 4,000 years... I mean, how many years of records do we have? Like, 6,000, maybe? I think 6,000 is a... Is Is a reach. Is a reach. Uh, I think it's, like, 3,000 years of solid records yeah like what's the oldest <laughs> writing we have ever found probably some kind of i don't know cuneiform on a jar in in uh mesopotamia and it's we probably dated it at like 5500 bce and there's a giant plus or minus on that because it's just the radiocarbon dating that we actually have to even know when it was from something like that right Th- 3400 bc 3400 bc so we only have 5400 years of records they have 500,000 years of records. That's a ton. Yeah. Uh, So he's really excited by that. And the thing that is important for us to know is that he's looking at their star charts and he thinks that he's going to be able to fix their position in space. 
that's probably important for getting the TARDIS to go where he wants it to go. Um, anyway, meanwhile, there's a discussion. Aladdin is in charge now. Because Temesis is dead, so Aladdin is just instantly president. He's, he's the vice president, the president died, now he's the president. And they're asking him what he's going to do. And he starts asking... Well, I just wish there was another way that we could come, you know, to approach the Daleks so that, you know, we could understand, they wouldn't fight us because they would understand, oh, actually, we're their friends. And Ian is in, happens to just be standing nearby and is like, that's ridiculous. You guys just don't get it. The Daleks just hate you guys. And they're like, well, why? I don't understand why they're attacking us. And he says, I have a reason, or more like an explanation. And it's a dislike for the unlike is the quote that he's got. Right. Um... They hate anybody that doesn't look like them. And so there's no point in trying to reason with them because they're just always going to hate you. So all you can do is show them strength so that they'll respect or fear you. I understand that this... Sh- so on, okay, so on one hand, we're, we probably can't expect a lot of uh, complexity from moral arguments you know, mm-hmm. in, in this early in the show. But on the on the other hand, this seems very simplistic. It's extremely simplistic, and it's really remarkable how black and white the show's perspective on this is. Because nobody is presenting even a remotely interesting pacifist angle on this, right? Pa- I mean, y- you get the instant, the instant feeling that the writers feel like any form of pacifism is complete nonsense. Which the makes th- sense from an English person in the 60s. I mean, where they were not far removed from a time when you had to just go to war. Yeah, for sure. Well, and again, this is this is where we can't... I can't ignore the World War II analogy just because it's the only way I can make sense of it. Immediately after World War II, you have a very clear perspective on appeasement. And this idea that anytime you're talking about peace, well, you're really talking... You have the, the classic Neville Chamberlain, peace in our time. Uh, We achieved peace in our time by signing this deal with Hitler, where Hitler's going to take over some land. And in retrospect, everybody understands this was just putting off war with the Nazis and giving Nazis a more advantageous position to go to war with you. You can't give them peace in our time because peace requires them not wanting to kill you. And they're always going to want to kill you unless you show them you're strong enough that they'll stop trying to kill you. Um, And so that was sort of the universal retrospective on the, like, interwar period was... Everybody was understandably very, you know, pacifistic after World War One. They were like, man, war is just absolutely horrible. We need to avoid that at all costs. But mm-hmm. what it led them to was letting the Nazis grow way bigger than they should have. And so I guess the perspective is like maybe they should have invaded Germany in like 1935 or something. I don't know what they think should have been done instead. But that's something like that, right? Um, yeah. And so that's the only way I can make sense of it because... The pacifists are just presented as just complete idiots. They're just like, I just don't understand. Can I say peace differently and then they won't want to kill me? So the the worst part about this section is that Ian just think like he wonders aloud if maybe they're not like he we should just not save them. Are they worth saving? And <laughs> thinks of and he thinks about going back to the TARDIS and just ending the serial and giving up for sure which which is fair if that was something that was available to them i would think that's what the party should do now 
The Thals have made absolutely clear they do not want to go to war with the Daleks. That is not something they're interested in. And when Ian tries to explain maybe it's in their best interest, they say, no, we are culturally completely allergic to war. The whole reason our world is irradiated is because of this war. That's why the, the forest we're in right now is made of stone. So no, we are never, ever, 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 ever going to war. Yeah, you should just walk away, right? That's what they should do. But, yeah, well, go I, ahead. Well, okay, so I don't want to jump too far into the, the next episode because that's the oh, next yeah, episode we'll be discussing of our podcast. This stuff plenty. Yeah. Because that's the bulk of the episode. Mm-hmm. But this this episode finishes off with the reveal that they all they all want to go back to the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and they can't because the fluid link, link the fluid link was taken by the Daleks when they had captured Ian. Mm-hmm. And what makes this so dirty to me mm-hmm. is that part of Ian's motivation for getting this culture to go to war mm-hmm. is that he needs to get his doohickey back. Yep. People are going to die. Yep. Uh, it's just filthy. It doesn't so feel th- heroic at all. This is what you hated about this serial the last time around, I think, more than anything, right? Is Absolutely. that there was just this like completely a- like immoral logic on the part of our quote-unquote heroes that well we need to get our doohickey back from the daleks so we need to convince this society to go to war with that society so that we can get in there and get our doohickey back now i do think on this rewatch that it is a little bit to ian's credit that before he realizes that they don't have the fluid link and they can't actually leave he still goes pretty hard on trying to get these guys to go to war right but then he but then he backs off, and it's sure. only once the doohickey comes into it that in the next episode he decides to triple down and really try yeah. to get them to go to war. But it is at That's least gross. to his credit that it does seem to be true that he thought this was in their best interest already. Right? I, I, I agree there. Yeah. Um, now, I don't, I don't want to take that too far. I don't want to give like too, too, too much credit there. But uh, it, it's at least worth something that everybody and, and there's just absolutely no ambiguity for any of the party that this is like i mean susan doesn't really speak up um and the doctor doesn't care he, he can all die for all he cares but um before they talk about the fluid link thing ian and barbara are both just like what do you think is wrong with them yeah like yeah do you think that they like there's something wrong with their brains or something because that they, I mean, don't they don't want to like cowards. go to war they don't want to kill people but, come on the way they're talking about it, they don't seem to want to go to war. So I guess they're cowards, but that's weird. Um, and yeah, I, I, something about Barbara saying they don't seem like cowards just hits me such the wrong way. Just like, who are you, English school teacher from 1963, to look at a bunch of people that don't want to go to war after they irradiated their planet? And be like, well, the only reason you could not want to go to war at any time is because you're just a coward. Just, wow. Okay, Barbara, cool. Why don't you put on a helmet and get in the trenches? Like, what? Yeah, uh, as modern viewers, it's just really difficult to take the the, totally. the the end of this episode and then the entirety of the next episode. It's just tough. Yeah. Uh, you try to, I try to set it aside, but it all, it's, it just feels gross. 
Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, you know, the Daleks are, in fact, as evil as they're all saying. So the writers are also on the side of, of the, the party here and saying, well, the only thing that you could possibly do is just go to war with them and kill every last one. Um, I don't know. So would we figure that what they really should be trying to do if they weren't so, like, war crazy from being British people in 1963, like, what they should really be trying to do is something like establish diplomatic negotiations with the Daleks? Like, I don't know what we think is supposed to happen, right? I... I don't. E- I'm not even of the opinion that they shouldn't go to the war with the Daleks. I'm just sure. of the opinion that they should explore options before going to war with the Daleks. My yeah, issue sure. is that is that everybody right here is like, well, why don't they just take up arms and start shooting immediately? It's also Obviously. not even clear what like going to war with the Daleks even means because the Dalek like they clearly don't have weapons to be able to like take a Dalek down, right? Right, and so their hesitance, whether it's because of pacifism or even just because of they're, they're not prepared militarily. Uh-huh, just respect for obvious superior military capabilities. Right, their hesitance to go into combat is is met with complete disdain from people who <laughs> don't have, well, other than the doohickey, they don't uh-huh. have a horse in this race. Yeah, yeah. No, so that that all does feel very bad on on the rewatch. Um, but you know, there's that's for for next time because they're going to get a lot more into that in the next episode. But that's going to be also the next episode of our podcast. Uh, so we're leaving you listeners with the cliffhanger that uh, they don't have the fluid link and they're going to have to go and get it back from the Daleks. It's rough. For me, this is where the serial takes a turn. But I have I have enjoyed most of it so far. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it definitely does take a turn. Everybody would agree with that. There's definitely a transition that happens here. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how uh, like dear to people's hearts this serial is, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know how like people will react to a lot of the criticisms we've had. But sure. I will say that uh, I prefer the I prefer the serial that came before this and. I like the next two, I think, more as well. <laughs> I can't say I like the next one more. I can't say that at all. I, I know that that's content, contentious, but I, <laughs> I, I, key, Keys of Marinus, I think, is awesome. Sure. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. That's also Terry Nation. So the same guy that wrote this wrote that, and I, I do think it's stronger, although it certainly didn't have the same cultural appeal. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, any that's final our... thoughts? Oh, gee. I I wish that they had done more with the magneton, magnetoid. What is it? The the magneton, yeah. Magneton. Mm-hmm. That's my my final thought. Is that they made such a thing of the magnetic <laughs> lizard dog that I just yeah. I mean, they put a lot of work into that prop. It's a goofy looking prop, but still, yeah. Why do they talk about it so much? <laughs> <laughs> That's my closing thought. Why do they talk about it so much? Yeah. All right. Well, have a good week, listeners. Bye. The TARDIS Tapes is an amateur production by Christian and Drake, released every other Thursday. Give or take. 
Any character's similarities to real or imagined persons are purely coincidental, and unquestionably fair use. Special thanks to Stephen Kelly, an absolutely smashing guy, for help with the theme music. Follow us on Twitter at TARDIS Tapes, or email us at TARDISTAPES at gmail.com. But be nice, please.